We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast brought to you by WinBet. I'm your host, James Anderson, and this week I am lucky to be joined by Jeff Erickson, who is Rotowire's senior editor, a FSWA Hall of Famer. And this is Jeff's first baseball podcast of the offseason, which is kind of crazy considering he probably does more media than anyone else at the company. Uh, But really glad that you could take the time, Jeff. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm psyched to talk baseball. Uh, Even though we have the lockout and all that comes with that, I am super excited. In fact, I'm planning on starting up a series of like team previews, even if the lockout's still going. I just want to have like 30 minutes where I want to talk like with one person that is like so into a particular team. We'll just dive into that team. I think that's some good offseason content. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, And, you know, right, you know, getting ready for drafts. I'm I'm ready to jump into a DC. I'm probably going to do that later this week, get my first draft going over there too. Nice. I mean, that that's the best way to kind of get really um, locked in on, on the player pool. And I know that you're already, you know, locked in to some extent because you do our projections and yep. uh, you can see those up on the website right now, rotowire.com slash pod for a, a free 10 uh, day trial. Uh, but, and, and since you are in charge of those, I wanted to kind of ask you about some of the guys who, if I were doing projections might be the toughest for me to project and sort of ask about how you went about that. And the first guy I wanted to ask you about is the player, at least the position player, who I think is kind of the most obvious regression candidate this year, Marcus Semyon. Uh, he returned first-round value last year, played in 162 games in one of the best lineups in baseball. And he's not only – there's obvious kind of signs of regression just if he had stayed in Toronto, but now he's heading to a worse lineup, a worse ballpark. So how do you go about kind of figuring out just how much to lop off of, of what Semyon put up last season? It's uh, a great question. And it, it leads to the greater process too. Cause so I use as a starting point, I use th- three year weighted averages for my projections. And then I, you know, dig into the stat cast notes. I dig into like, you know, ballpark playing time, all that sort of stuff. Look at the age uh, and adjust accordingly, but you can't, it, it's doing any sort of projection. You know, you're, you're, data that we're using we're dealing with happy fun ball in 2019 we're dealing with a 60 game schedule in 2020 and an unbalanced schedule with that uh and then last year two different baseballs i mean that came out at the end of the season that baseball actually you know they they deadened the ball but then they snuck sneakily added the, the old ball back in uh and then you know the, the grip enhancement got cracked down on so it's been t- there's so many different factors 
it's like you're almost starting with bad data. And that's, that's really a tough part, starting point. With Semyon in particular, you know, age 31, right? You know, power peak is still there, but you got to figure natural regression is going to start to kick in before you even start to look at what he did, which was so off the charts. Um, I, I almost worry if I didn't regress him enough. I, I'm looking at the projection I did for him. And I've got 10 fewer homers. Uh, I've got a lot fewer uh, RBI. Probably not. I, I think I probably should cut off a few more runs. I don't think that Texas lineup is going to knock him in as, as often. Uh, the other thing is, like, how much is he going to run? He was 15 to 16 on the on the base pass. I don't think people realize that how much of a uh, value add he was there and, and how much better that was than previous years for him. You know, he was 10 of 18 in 2019, 14 of 20 the year before that. He was almost perfect last year. And so that naturally is going to regress too. Yeah. I mean, I, my sort of natural reaction whenever a guy's coming off like such an obvious career year is to just, you know, fade them extremely hard the next year. So like I, I would take Tim Anderson over Marcus Semien, um, pretty easily right now. Uh, but maybe I'm being like sort of too robotic in that just obviously Semyon came is had a such a career year last year. I mean, you look at like the home runs, um, even if he had, you know, you can go to baseball savant and they have that like fun tool that shows how many home runs a guy would have hit in different ballparks and stuff. And like, right. I think there's like an 11 homer difference between Toronto and Texas for him because he's such a, a pull heavy guy. Um, and it wasn't even just, and sorry to interrupt, but it wasn't just Toronto last year. It was Dunedin. It was Buffalo, you know, too. And, you know, Dunedin, I think he did really well down there, if I recall correctly. So, I mean, you add in that factor. Yeah, it's, it's certainly someone that you would think that he should drop off quite a bit. And uh, that, go ahead. That Rangers lineup, like, I mean, the, you know, Corey Seager's great, but like I'm looking at roster resource. They have Willie Calhoun leading off and Adolis Garcia hitting cleanup. Like, I mean, who knows if that's actually accurate, but I mean, the, the drop off in terms of um, from the, from the runs and the RBI standpoint, I mean, that, that might be, I mean, the, the power of the runs in the RBI, I think is where he's just going to lose a ton of ground. And it's just, it's very challenging to kind of figure out how much ground he loses there. Yeah, I think you're right. And you know, one of the things like, I'm still on that, like I've done the first batch projections, right? But I still have to kind of like battle test them. I still have to kind of go through like, okay, this projection spits out this ranking. I'm going to be in a draft. Uh, I'm, you know, that's why I'm looking forward to doing a DC, do, doing some best balls and jumping in and say, okay, I've got Semyon. He's sitting there at the beginning of the third round. He's still available. Okay. Am I going to take him? And who, who are my alternatives if I don't take him? And that, that's just the question. And sure. Of course, it's going to depend on, okay, do I have a pitcher yet? Uh, how much is that? Do I, does that matter to me? Where am I stolen bases? These are all things you have to add in, but you know, the ultimate battle test is just being put to the test. Like, okay, this is what the ranking says. Am I going to follow that? And I use our tools, you know, I use our, you know, I, I use our draft software religiously. Uh, and, I try to tweak my rankings, my projections, so that they fit what my draft preferences are too. So, yeah, I mean, I think the the battle testing part. I mean, that that's going to be fascinating to sort of see which guys you you end up kind of moving up and moving down um, throughout the the draft season. And like, I I kind of like drafting during the lockout. Um, I don't I don't want the lockout to continue, obviously, but it it is. Um, 
it's a nice way to kind of distract yourself and they're like nothing sure. is changing in terms of the news um the next guy i want to ask you about is wander franco who obviously had a a really strong rookie season uh you know the the strikeout rate the bat to ball hit tool everything carried over about as good as you could hope for a rookie but at the same time you know he hit seven homers in 70 games he attempted just three steals in 70 games uh you know the the batting average i'm sure and the and the run scored um probably not that much of a struggle for projecting him right i mean you can you can probably feel pretty good about the skills there but how do you go about projecting the the power and the speed for franco who's got an adp of 61 right now no and the thing is you're always looking at the past stats and you're like okay he hasn't done it yet but then you look at age to level every single year and you're like okay well he's three years behind everybody there and he's he's you know the batting eye has been there he's not like he's not hitting the ball with authority he's just not hitting it over the fence that much but I I think I'll be somewhere between where Clay has him, which I think it, I think I last saw was 37, and where projection systems like Fangrass and you know where, where Steamer's going to have him, where the bat's going to have him, uh, and some of that's playing time, right? Uh, you know the playing, you know Steamer is going to be usually pretty circumspect on playing. Now, although I'm looking at their projection for him and. It's actually, uh, it, oh, wait, no, actually, I was looking at Semyon. Never mind. Uh, I was like, whoa, they have him for 30 homers. Oh, that, that's not Wander Franco. That's Semyon. <laughs> Sorry. Um, but Steamer is going to be a little bit more circumspect, usually. They're going to be a little bit calmer. But I, I think I, I, this is, you want, it's the Vlad theory. You want to be there to get the breakout. You know, you want to be able to get the profit. You know, if you, you got it last year, if you, you were able to go above what the numbers suggest, you know, that have done so far, you want to be there for that. The problem is, you you know, with Vlad, it was year three. It wasn't year two. Uh, so that's the tricky part. Yeah, I'd be I'd be interested in asking Clay where he's got him in terms of homers and steals, because, um, you know, I think the the batting, I think his his top fantasy skill is batting average. I think he yep. absolutely can be an anchor for you there. Uh, and then it's just a matter of roster construction for me, because, like, do I. Do I want to, and, and I think steamer might even be high on the 10 steals uh, for Franco. And that that's kind of my, been my drawback on, on drafting him where he's going, you know, batting average. I feel like that is um, it's not easy to make up um, later in drafts, but you know, do I want to take Wander Franco for one of my middle infield spots over someone like, jazz chisholm or tommy edmund who could flirt with 30 steals um like that that's kind of where um things get interesting for me and just from a roster construction standpoint i haven't really been interested in franco just because i don't see him taking a, a step forward in terms of stolen base attempts um you know he's he's a thicker guy for a young guy like he's mm-hmm. he's a middle infielder and you know top prospect and everything so we kind of assume um, there's speed there, but I just, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I'd take the under on 10 steals. Um, I'd probably take the under on 25 homers. And so, you know, at that point, um, I went you know, 16 homers and eight, uh, and eight steals with him for what it's worth. Um, you know, playing time's going to be there. The runs are going to be, that's the one thing where he's also true. obviously a plus. Um, I just did my hitting categories target article up on the site and, you know, stone bases are down again. Uh, and so 
a tw- you know, the, there's, I think there was like 19 guys that stole 20 bases last year. Uh, and that, that number keeps dwindling every single year. The number that we need to get to the 80th percentile, I think is like 104 now uh, for 80th percentile on stolen bases. So you don't need a 30 stolen base guy is my point. Um, but, you know, you, you obviously, you get an Edmund, you get someone like that, and it obviously makes a huge difference. It's just you want to make sure they do other things too. And so I I look at the, you know, Franco's ADP is like, like 58 or so uh, starting since December 1st uh, on the NFBC, and I always use the NFBC for ADP. It's 56, excuse me. Um, I think I've got around 65, 70 or so. So there'll be a league or two where that I'll get them. Uh, but I pro- I'm probably with you that I'm probably not going to get them in most places. Like I'd rather take, get my stolen bases from a Rosarena, uh, you know, his teammate. I I'd rather, you know, I think sometimes the younger guy doesn't get as many opportunities to run that first year, the first full year. Now it might be different with him because obviously he's locked in, in terms of contractually, he's, he's not a threat to get sent down. He's got his 11 year deal that they they're fully backing him, but maybe it takes a year to learn how to read pitchers a little bit more. Maybe he's and he's not like blinding speed. Like you said, he's not the guy that's ran wild in the minors for that matter. Yeah. I mean, a, a couple guys that I would just throw out um, who I think can give you fairly similar production to Franco this year. Uh, Kettle Marte, who has an ADP of 90 and DJ LeMahieu, who has an ADP of 117. Um, and I'm, I'm using draft champions over the past like three weeks. Uh, and like, there's nothing sexy about taking Kettle Marte or DJ LeMahieu. Uh, and they, they probably don't have the same amount of upside as Franco and LeMahieu's not going to steal as many bases as Franco, even though I, I don't think Franco's going to steal 10, but, um, I mean, that's kind of the statistical profile that you're looking at. And mm-hmm. I think you're really having to pay up for that, that prospect pedigree with him. Yeah. LeMahieu's interesting, too, because he was a classic overdraft last year. Now he's a last year's bum. Uh, can he stay healthy? What is his true level? Uh, you know, is he a guy that totally benefited from the ball with that big power spike? And what's the ball going to be be like this year? I think he's one of those guys that really benefits, you know, a guy that relies on opposite field power. Uh, you know, is the ball going to carry for him? Yeah, I know. I know more Yankee fans than I, than I feel like I should, but uh, they all tell me that he was, he was playing hurt last year and that he's going to bounce back. So, um, you know, take that for what it's worth. Uh, I can see but, um, this next group, it's a, it's a long list of pitchers. Uh, they all come with some level of injury concern and mm-hmm. I'll just read them off and we can kind of jump around it to whoever you think is, is interesting, but um, roughly in order of, of ADP, Jacob deGrom, Shane Bieber, Chris Sale, Jack Flaherty, Luis Severino, Clayton Kershaw, Lance McCullers, Mike Clevenger, and Noah Syndergaard. Uh, we've seen all, all of these guys have pitched at extremely high levels. Um, maybe with the exception of like Lance McCullers, they've pitched at, you know, SP1 levels. And yet they're all coming into the year with significant durability concerns how many innings are they going to throw that type of thing so um, right which which guys stand out here as as sort of guys that gave you the most trouble well of course you got to start with DeGrom I mean he rate wise he was pitching at an historical level uh even in a half a season you know he he 
didn't he didn't kill you by his absence, but at the same time, how many innings are you confident projecting for him for next year? And does something change? Does he like lower his velocity at all to try to stay healthier? Is there is that a thing? You know, and that that's a that's a tricky part. So I've got him for 127 innings. I the problem with him is, you know, I, it's almost like half measures with him. You know, he could be awesome and go 30 starts, uh, or he could be a disaster and get five starts. There's just no, you know, it's, it's hard to middle that there, if you know what I'm saying. It It's almost like you kind of have to, you know, going into drafts, he's either on your board or he's not on your board. Right. And, and what's your answer? I'm not taking him. Um, I it's one of those where I am okay being wrong, but I am not okay. I'm I'm okay being wrong by passing on him, but I'm not right. okay being wrong by taking him. Um, it's a lot of draft I, capital. Yeah. I just don't think you're getting, I don't even know where he'd have to be going for me to take him honestly. Um, Cause it's just, I'm really trying to hit singles and doubles with those like early picks. And like, I'm trying to bank stats um, and then I can take some risks later in the draft, uh, with like my SP five or something like that. But sure. Um, you know, I, some, you know, if he stays, if he, if he meets your projection, even if he just gets 127 innings, uh, he's worth his ADP, right? I think so. Uh, he, although I've got him as at least I've got him as pitcher 12, at least according to the algorithm we got going right now, I may adjust that here and there a little bit, but, uh, you know, starting pitcher 10, uh, I guess I'd be starting pitcher 10 because I got two closers above him. Uh, but it's interesting. Bieber versus DeGrom, both guys enter with big question marks, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I would take uh, a closer over both those guys. I think um, I would too. And I mean, the thing the thing with, you know, if DeGrom does pitch the 127, he might be the 10th uh, pitcher uh but you're also starting another pitcher those times when he's not pitching. Um, right. So, you know, it's, it, he's a, he's a, he's a guy that could swing leagues for sure. Um, and since we're not filled to, so we don't have Ranger Suarez there to swap wide in for him there either. So, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I mean, was, uh, Phil was probably one of the first guys to cut to ground in main yep. events. Um, he was, I remember that. In fact, when I had him on the pod, we were talking about that and he just nailed that there. He also, he, he also cut, uh, who was it? Uh, Walker Bueller just in time for the Cincinnati and Colorado course field starts, which were both bad starts for him too. I mean, he, he did some like visionary stuff there. That's just wild, but, uh, yeah, that's why he's Phil and we're not, but you know, <laughs> I guess that that's it there. Um, yeah, but Bieber on, on its face is interesting too. I mean, I always I'm wary of guys coming back from a shoulder problem. You know, I, the the track record of guys coming back from that and being just fine it's it's not great. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's um, it's how would you rank you know a guy um, like Degrom who ends the year with an elbow issue that could lead to Tommy John, a guy like Bieber who came back from a shoulder injury to close the year or a guy like Chris sale who came back from Tommy John to close the year. You know, I'm inclined to take sale at his price more than the, the, the first two. Uh, I, I, he had a couple more outings, although I guess his price isn't that much of a discount off of those guys. It's maybe a round or two. Uh, but you know, you look at, you know, sale is going what about 50th overall. It's still, 
he's still probably your first or second starter. Um, mm-hmm. Longer track record, I guess. I For whatever reason, I, I feel like a little safer with Sale than I do Bieber or DeGrom. Um, yeah, it, I, do, I do too. Yeah. Uh, so, and I think people forget just how dominant he is in K's when he is healthy. And that could be a huge value for you there. If you get him in the fourth round and he, and he's back to being a sale. Yeah. I mean, and I just think, um, there's going to be fewer restrictions on him, uh, by Boston probably than like Cleveland might have for, for Bieber. Uh, sure. And, you know, like Bieber wouldn't be on my, like Bieber's not a, a guy who I've just got crossed off kind of like DeGrom, but he's going late second round and mm. I'd just rather take Sandy Alcantara there. Um, but, uh, you've sale, always been the like, Sandy guy though, too. I have always been the Sandy guy, but, um, yeah, that, that, uh, that bandwagon is, is at capacity now. Um, it is, it is, <laughs> uh, Chris sale though, like you said, he's going, you know, in early fourth round. Um, so, Chris Sale as your SP2, maybe. Uh, you know, Chris Sale versus taking one of those elite relievers there. Uh, I, I probably still lean towards uh, just getting like a, a Ryan Presley and just not having to worry about that. But um, he's That's been a hot topic, by the way. The elite reliever is going earlier and earlier. Uh, and there's been some pushback lately on the, and on baseball Twitter. I like seeing this sort of discussion. I. I'm sold on getting one elite closer. I, I didn't think I would be, but last year's experience has kind of just pushed me there. Uh, what, what say you? So for me, it's uh, it's not a it's not a thing where I think like I'm not going to tell people you should take a one of these relievers like that. That's the best strategy. I just think for me, it's the best strategy for like personally because mm-hmm. um, maybe the thing I'm weakest at in fantasy is getting late saves. And so like, just, I, there's a peace of mind for me leaving a draft with two of the top 15 closers, uh, especially guys that I'm confident have the role when we're drafting uh, at this point in the calendar. Um, So, you know, if you're someone who has had a lot of success uh, getting cheap saves or working the wire for saves, like that type of thing, then by all means, you know, I mean, it's so easy to just go on Twitter and be like, I can't believe people are taking closers where they're taking them, you know, like, well, you know, that's, that's, that's easy to say, but um, for me anyways, it's been a challenge to uh, compete in saves without spending up. And uh, like last year, I thought I probably spent up um, more regularly um, in drafts and, that ended up serving me pretty well. Obviously, there's there's risk with taking these guys, obviously, but um, like I, to me, like the third and fourth round, it's it's just littered with guys that I don't really want, and so uh, or I don't really want it at, at the cost, and that's in terms of starting pitchers and hitters, and so I'd rather just take an elite closer there than take you know someone who um is going to give me production that i think i could get similar production like later like you're you're not getting similar production to um you know emmanuel classe or ryan presley 
in the seventh round in all likelihood, but you could get similar production to like Logan Webb, uh, you know, a few rounds later. So to me, it's just kind of a a scarcity issue. And it's just my personal track record is so poor at at getting saves late that I'm willing to pay up for it. Yeah, that makes sense. And I kind of arrived at the same conclusion, did two main event leagues last year. One, we got the early closer in Kenley Jansen. And, you know, he was fine. He was one of the last of that group. Uh, But he, 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 we didn't have to sweat saves as much. And you had to get other, another closer, but the other main, we waited until the double digit rounds and yay, we got Jake McGee, right? Yay. But we also whiffed on the Padres. We whiffed on so many pickups. And the, the other problem too, is when you're dipping into that and you're having to hustle on the waiver wire, typically you're trying to go from bad teams. You're, you're trying to get the Orioles closer or you're trying to get you know, a closer on, on another bad team and you're the Royals. And maybe you eventually got on Barlow, but it took you a long time for him to get that, that job. And he didn't even have it full time. Uh, so, and you deal with that. Plus there's just fewer save opportunities too. I mean, the, the Orioles, they went on a 20 game losing streak for crying out loud. I mean, it, it, there's, there's zero value in that. And you've got that guy active and you have to have that guy active for you to benefit from the two. You don't know when they're going to stop losing like that. So it, it's, I, I'm being persuaded more and more that just get your two closers and, Hopefully they, they stay healthy and they keep the job and then you don't have to sweat that. You save money in fab uh, and the 15 teamers. I mean, that's huge. Yeah. And in, in the 15 teamers, uh, especially it's, it's like easy to say, well, I'll, I'll just wait for that. Like next year, the guys that go in like the seventh round or something like that, but you're not guaranteed to not get shut out on those guys. Right. And then, and then all of a sudden it's like, you're like, well, I'm going to take uh like Blake Trinan or something like that um, way ahead of ADP because I don't have a single closer yet. And if I get shut out, like then I'm, then all of a sudden I'm working with like Gregory Soto or something. So, right. um, I mean, let's actually just, I I had these guys a little further down, but let's just jump to, so I think uh, three guys that are really interesting in terms of projections are Craig Kimbrell, Camilo Duvall and Blake Trinan, because, um, you know, it would seem like Duvall and Trinan are the best relievers in the bullpens of two really good teams in the Giants and the Dodgers right now. And it would seem like the White Sox can't possibly not trade Kimbrell because of how mediocre he was for them as a setup man. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, what's your level of confidence projecting Kimbrell, Duvall and Trinan during the lockout for a full closers workload. So difficult, especially because Kenley's still out there as a free agent. And I'm not convinced that he's not coming back. Um, That's like a double negative there. I think he will come back to the Dodgers. Uh, He's a lifelong Dodger. I just think there's going to be some sentiment there. I think, and he's not, if he signs with the Dodgers, he can't fit any other role. He's not going to be an ace reliever that comes in in the seventh inning. He's going to be the closer. Uh, and then they'll use Trinan wherever they need to use him. Then Trinan will pick up some saves here and there, but I think Kenley will still be the guy there. I think it'll just like they'll count. It's not necessarily kowtowing the veteran. It's more okay. We can use him for thirty spots, and then Trinan will pick up ten or fifteen saves. But it's not going to be as a full time closer. So I think you run the risk of like thinking you're getting thirty saves from Trinan, and you might get five, you might get ten, you could get thirty. Uh, but that's the problem with drafting right now, right? You know, you just don't know. Uh, with San Francisco, I'm not convinced Duvall is the best closer still. And he walks a ton of guys. Even last year uh, at AAA, 24 walks in 30 innings. That's not something you want. someone you want to close. Uh, I'm not convinced. He, I think 
I think we'll still see a lot of McGee. Uh, I wouldn't be, I'd be surprised if we don't. Well, I think Duvall's got the best stuff, but I, I think like, you know, there's some similarities here uh, between Duvall and James Karinchak a season ago. Yeah. Um, you know, just that, that young, super high upside reliever that it's really easy to, to just dream on him being like the next, you know, surefire top five closer year in year out. But yeah, we are working with a very small sample of him having adequate command. Although he did, he finished the year uh, strongly. Uh, do you want, do you want to hear my um, kind of out there prediction that involves a couple of these guys? Please. I do. Uh, I think the Dodgers might trade for Kimbrel because they just have such a log jam in their farm system, especially in terms of infielders. Uh, they're, they're not possibly going to have enough room for all these guys. And the White Sox have one of the worst farm systems in baseball. And the Dodgers, I mean, just paying Craig Kimbrel 15 mil for one season, like that's nothing to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, versus I think like they – it, it it seems to me like Kenley, um, like I think whoever signs him is going to sign him to a bad contract uh, just from a, a medical standpoint. I just, I can't see giving him like a three or four year deal. Uh, and so I, if I were the Dodgers, the idea of just trading a prospect I don't have room for, for one year of Kimbrell, who uh, did look elite when he was closing last season. Um, that would be appealing to me. So I, I, I'm very interested to see where Kimball goes. I'm very interested to see where Kenley signs because for all of us who've been doing these DCs, uh, you know, over these last couple months, you know, most of us have at least one team where a lot's riding on somebody getting saves who by the time opening day gets here might not be the guy getting saves. Yeah. And just got to remember it. It isn't a disaster if that happens. I mean, you can, it, it, it's a minor disaster, but it's recoverable at least. Uh, yeah. I, well, we'll see. XFL, I kept Jake McGee, so we'll see if uh, that was an error. Uh, but I, I I know the 37 Ks look pretty promising, but Duvall gave up four homers in 27 innings and the nine walks. I mean, that's that's actually better command than he showed in the minors, but I just worry too much that, you know, you're going to start seeing like, okay, walks the guys, walks the bases load in the ninth inning. Kepler's going to be like, I can't deal with that. I can't deal with him in the ninth. Uh, he's also a pretty progressive manager and he might just say, okay, he's an ace reliever. We'll use him a lot of different ways too. So we'll see about that. As far as the Kimbrel deal, the Kimbrel, I mean, I, yeah, you're right. He was much better as a closer with the Cubs. He, I think the skills are still there. I, I, I hesitate to try to read too much out of what he did in a couple of months with the White Sox. So I think he's still got the skills to be able to do it. That'd be an, I'd like to see that sort of trade, see what sort of it happened. And, like you mentioned, uh, the White Sox don't have a whole lot in the pipeline. They traded away Madrigal already, so we'll see. I mean, I, you know, Cesar Hernandez is gone. He's in, in D.C., so are they really they have no depth right now. I could see them trading for a middle infielder pretty easily. Well, and and the the White Sox would have a good bullpen even without Kimbrel. Um, yeah. So, I mean, he it, it could just be a spare piece for spare piece type of deal, and maybe they get a couple guys. Um, and yeah, I mean with of all like he's not going to have a, a long leash like the, right. i think the the upside is high but even if he starts the year as the closer you know all it would take is like a, a rough week in terms of him walking guys and they've got guys that did fine in that role for them last year still on the roster yeah exactly all right um let's uh 
talk about, you know, the, it's been very uh, in vogue in, in recent uh, weeks to kind of make fun of how these two guys always get brought up together. But I'm going to keep bringing them up together because, uh, you know, Christian Yelich and Cody Bellinger, if you told anyone um, that both guys would have an ADP around 100 uh, like a couple of years ago, you know, they would have been pretty surprised by that, but that's, right. that's, that's where we are. And if we're talking about tough projections, I don't think it gets much tougher than, than Yelich and Bellinger. hundred percent agree. I'm more optimistic about Bellinger than I am uh, Yelich. Uh, I, I just, I mean, I, I just look at the, like what, just watching his at bats. I just wonder when's the power coming back. I, I, I every once in a while he gets, he, he runs into one, but I'm just, I, I look at how he takes his at bats. I think he he's a lot more passive than he used to be. Uh, I, I just don't think he's confident. I, I just don't think he's 100% healthy. I don't know if he's got that base. I think maybe after filing that ball off his knee, he just hasn't been able to generate the same sort of power since then. I, I'm pretty pessimistic about him. Uh, as, whereas Bellinger, I think I, I've got a little bit more reason to believe in him. Yeah, I mean, the with both guys they need to be putting in a ton of work this off season, right? Like, right. You know, I think um, working with specialists, you know, going to, to places where, you know, maybe not even working with guys uh, related to the team, but um, like Bellinger needs to, to get in the weight room. Um, Bellinger needs to, you know, really be diligent with what he's putting into his body. Uh, Yelich needs to get the back figured out. Um maybe needs to strengthen his lower body. Uh, but I, it, you know, we've seen get, these, are, these are elite guys, right? Like they're, they're right. guys who, you know, Yelich was a top three pick for, for a couple of years. Bellinger was just, you know, he won an MVP at the age of 24. So, um, you know, these are guys that if, if someone was going to just kind of rebound, you would expect it to be um, elite talents like this. Right. And, I've actually ended, I haven't ended up with any Bellinger yet. I have ended up with Yelich in one of my three leagues just because I, I feel better about him getting me double digit steals. And so like, you know, like, and, and I honestly, like, I think Yelich plays every day, basically no matter what, as long as he's healthy. Whereas Bellinger, if he kind of is what he was this past year, or even just a little bit better than that. I don't think he he gets everyday playing time with the Dodgers as stacked as they are. So uh, I, I think Yelich has the higher floor of the two when, when you're factoring in the steals. But um, I, I'm not against drafting either guy right now. Um, yeah. I don't think I would want both of them on the same team. But right. Uh, I mean, the I, cost I do, is right. I mean, pick yeah, 100. Yeah. I'll take that. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I want exposure to both these guys um, in 2022. And it's it's a bit of a leap of faith. Uh, it's, uh, I, I need to have, I've been meaning to try to get Vlad Sedler on the pod, but, um, I mean, you gotta have, you gotta have a gut call with these guys, I think. To, For to sure. Them. The thing about Yelich is the, the K rate just out of the blue in 2020, just spiked and it, it came back down a little bit last year, but it's still well above career norms, 24% as opposed to about 20 in, in previous years. It was 31 and 21, uh, you know, in, in 2020. I just, what caused that? And I know there, there were some good dives on him. Uh, all, you know, I think Fangrass, I, and I'm forgetting uh, the author. I, I cited him on the podcast before and I forget, I'm sorry, I don't have it up my, like my recall right now, but 
he said he just swung less. Uh, he was getting deeper into a lot of counts. And, you know, when he made contact, this is in 2020, he was making great contact. It's just he didn't swing as much. And I don't know. There's there's something a little off with him still. I I, I don't know. I Maybe I can be persuaded and talk to N.T. Yelich, but, you know, I, I feel like there's a better chance that Bellinger keeps what he does. The thing about the Dodgers, too, is they, they've lost Seager. They've, they, Muncy might not be ready for the start of the season uh, if we start the season on time. And they may have no choice but to play him. He, he might just have to work his way through it this year, as long as he's personally healthy himself, too. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's it's kind of how bad is he? Uh, because they, they do have, like, it's just crazy how deep they are, um, especially with infielders in the upper levels and, and guys who are still hanging around the 40, like Edwin Rios and, and guys like that. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, it, it'll be... I really hope we we get spring training uh, on time because I just you know if we get ten days of one of these guys just raking in spring training, it's going to be hilarious to see uh, where they start going in drafts. Right, and the hot takes that follow too. Uh, like, oh yeah, I knew it all along. And all like, that. yeah, you're going to see a lot of video and people being like, "This is what's different" and all that stuff. Um, so when uh, in a second, I want to ask you about one of the biggest uh, prospect flops we've seen in recent memory. Uh, but first, uh, let's get a quick message from our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. 
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. If there's one thing we appreciate here at Rotowire, it's making good decisions and even more so making the right decision. Listen up, folks. I have an incredible offer for you with Rotowire's newest partner, WinBet the premier digital casino and sportsbook app. WinBet is now the exclusive sponsor for Rotowire's fantasy podcasts. WinBet brings you all the latest action with a user-friendly interface, money line bets, boosted parlays, over-unders, round robins, live betting, and so much more at your fingertips. Want a break from sports betting? Head into WinBet's digital casino and take a spin on roulette. Double down on blackjack, slam the slots, or try your hand at Baccarat. WinBet is currently available in seven states, Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, while rapidly expanding. At WinBet, the possibilities are limitless. WinBet is currently offering all RotoWire listeners a risk-free bet up to $500 on your first wager. Download WinBet now. That's W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. WinBet, the exclusive partner for RotoWire's fantasy podcast. All right, Jeff. Uh, Jared Kalanick, um, you know, Good luck, good luck projecting him with confidence. Um, yeah, exactly. I, you know, is is he someone where you're kind of just putting your hands up and looking at what Steamer says and like I, I just I don't know how I would even start with him. Well, I mean, you can find what you want to find. You want to look at like how we closed. Okay, September was moderately encouraging. I think we had a that's in our outlook on him. Uh, the problem is, you know, what he did was is he's just not doing damage on pitches he should do damage on i think our outlook talks about that too and you know it's tough you're right i mean it you know you gotta think okay maybe you know when he was killing it at triple a he was doing against players that hadn't been playing in 2020 they hadn't been getting the work at the alternate training camp sites maybe that's why some of these elite prospects when they got called up they flopped initially is because when they were when they were kind of killing it at triple a or or even double a they were playing against players that didn't have that full year, whereas he had at least the alternate training camp sites uh, work there. And maybe he was just feasting off of lesser competition. And then he finally faced real competition and couldn't do a whole lot with it. But th- then you look at his pedigree, you look at his opportunity at, in Seattle, you got to figure, I mean, they're going to roll with him, right? They're going to, they, I, I don't think they're going to tear it up after in year two and say, okay, we're going to send you down for three months. I could be wrong about that, but I think they're going to give him a pretty long rope, and I think he'll have his time and, ch- and chances to work it out. Uh, I know you were you and Clay did that pod uh, before before the end of the season. Like, what? Where would you need? Where you would? I guess where would you rank? Not where you. It wasn't. It was like you, you let off by saying people ask me where would you rank him now. And he goes, I'm not going to do that. 
we'll talk about where I'm going to do for 2022 with these guys in the majors. And you said you were kind of out on him at your anticipated ADP. Are you still out on him at his like 135 right now? I am. Yeah. Um, you know, he, he just has such a, such a low floor, uh, mm-hmm. with, especially when you, you talk about the batting average, um, and he's not a, you know, he's not a burner. Like he, he's not a, a guy where if he just gets the at bats and hits like 230, 240, he's getting you 20 steals. So, um, I, I think we kind of have to throw out what he did at triple a. I've been saying this a lot, but, mm-hmm. uh, honestly, if he'd gone back to double a, that would tell me more than what he did at triple a because triple a was just so bad in terms of the, the quality of pitching there last year. Yeah. Um, I, you know, it, it's, he's kind of a, he's almost the hitter version of Jacob deGrom, although going like eight rounds later, but I, I am okay being wrong if he really comes all the way back uh there's just you can still get such high value players in that range uh guys that you can you can bank on um you can still get guys that that can help you um with stolen bases like i i would take uh you know actually this this probably isn't even a hot take anymore because i think he's been going higher and higher but like i would take mile straw over Kelnick because I I know what I'm getting there and um, that would solve my my stolen base issue at that point in the draft. Um, you know I I would take like Dansby Swanson over Jared Kelnick because I I mean Dansby Swanson's like median outcome this year is almost kind of what I view Kelnick's like realistic best case scenario as. Right. So, um, yeah, it's just it's not a enough of a discount for me. For sure. Uh, what about Willie Adamas versus, uh, J- Jared Kelnick? Yeah, I'd, I'd take Adamas too. Um, it, I mean that he's a good guy to talk about just quickly because, uh, you, do you just throw out, uh, what he did in Tampa because of all the reports of him not being able to see with the, the batter's eye there? Um, like, do you just fully buy into what he did? And, and the other thing about Adamas that if, if you weren't paying attention, like late in the season, uh, he basically was playing hurt in September. Right. So I think you could even argue that you throw that out too. And, but then you're left with such a small sample of what he did in Milwaukee before getting hurt. That is that enough to even run with? Um, it's like know, we're I, only I, pulling the good stuff. Uh, right. and then, you know, that's the, if you do that and then you extrapolate playing time over that, then you're putting him as a like top 60 player. But, uh, you know, that that's obviously we can't do that. The thing that we're, you know, that explanation makes sense, but, why isn't it such a big problem for any other Tampa Bay hitters or is it? And we just didn't know. Yeah. I, I mean, uh, Jason Collette's been pretty convincing when, when I've talked to him about it, uh, just b- because like Adamus always just hit on the road and never hit there. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, I, and man, I, I feel like I might be too biased here just cause I watched him so much and sure. he just looked so dominant. Like he, he was just undeniably the Brewers' best hitter, and it wasn't even close. Um, so, and he's someone that I was high on. Basically, his I kept drafting him in Tampa Bay, waiting for for this player to emerge. So there's confirmation bias on top of just me watching him bias. Right. Um, so yeah, I mean, at the same time, like 
you know what even even if it's not the true player like you're still getting him at like pick 130 so he could he could hit 250 245 and i still think there's enough power and enough runs in rbi there to 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 be fine with that pick yeah and if you're waiting on shortstop or if you're filling your middle in that slot i'm i'm okay with that and i mean those splits are so damning i mean it, it's really hard to argue against that the only thing about Adamus that you don't get is you don't get a whole lot of speed right and and i have uh like ideally in a snake draft, I've got my middle and my shortstop and second base filled with stolen base guys by the time we get to him. Um, sure. And, you know, maybe if I got stolen bases from, uh, I, I don't know, another position or, or something like that, or, I, or maybe I got like Trey Turner as my shortstop and I've got so many speed already uh, locked in. Right. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I I feel good about what he's gonna do, but it, it's it is a there's a roster construction issue there. Um, yeah. Jeff, I know you you only got a you know a few more minutes left. Um, who who else on this this rundown do you wanna do you wanna talk about? Well, I want to talk about Vidal Bruhan uh, with the uh, Rays because I see where he's going and I see the stolen base upside. I mean, we all see it, and you see what he did in the minors and all that. Uh, but. I don't see a clear path to playing time borrowing another barring another deal. He's going around like what 300 overall. It's it's doesn't seem like that's that too punitive of a price, but that's a starting spot. And I have a hard time getting there. I have a hard time getting to the playing time. Uh and the Rays are just loaded with outfielders. Obviously, he's not going to play a shortstop. Brandon Lau is going to play a second base. Where does Bruhan play? Yeah, no, I I pretty much echo everything you said. Uh I, I had Andres Jimenez listed next to him because I think it's it's fun to compare those two because I, I feel better about Jimenez's playing time and you're you're just drafting both guys for the speed anyway. Um, the the thing about Bruhan is, you know, he's always been this highly ranked dynasty prospect, mm-hmm. but just put yourself in like the shoes of Tampa Bay and like how valuable do they think he is in the year 2022? Like, right. This is a team that wants to win a World Series. They've got all kinds of depth. I mean, I think I would even argue that Taylor Walls is a better real-life player right now right. than Bruhan because of the defense. And they've got Josh Lowe coming, who's, I think, a better prospect and, and going to be a better real-life player than Vidal Bruhan. And he gives you speed, too. Uh, I'd rather take Josh Lowe. I think he's going just outside the top 350 than than Bruhan. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I... I echo everything you said about him. Yeah. And I, 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 I mean, he could have 40 stolen bases. I get it. He could also have 40 games. You know, he might have 40 at bats. Uh, and the thing is it had he hit at all in his brief little trial, maybe that would have given a little bit of push, but he didn't. Uh, yeah. It just, I, I don't think I'm going to end up with him a lot. And I, it's a shame because I know you could, he could, he get you 20 stolen bases mid season. Well, great. That that's like that gets you five or six standing points right there. I will say this: if he does get called up, they make room for him. They make a trade that there is that they clear the path for playing time for him. Yeah, I'll be aggressive in Fab, but I think in many leagues he'll be available in Fab. You're not going to want to hold on to him. And if the, I always look at the NFBC prism too, are you going to hold on to him for seven weeks, eight weeks with those six or seven uh, roster spots on your bench? Probably not. And then you're going to have to go go bid big on him in fab and then hope that he sticks that time. Yeah. And, and the, the number one thing I'm trying to improve in my game um, is 
valuing plate appearances and uh i kind of i kind of mentioned that with uh with yelich uh but like for me bruhan just you know even like he could steal like 20 bases this year in part-time duty but you're just taking so many days where he's out of the lineup right and just killing you and runs an rbi that's that's why like when we're talking about roster construction those early picks, those picks in rounds one through six, one through seven, like you just have to get your stolen bases there because otherwise right. you get left chasing these guys who have just so many flaws in their game. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, in, in, in many cases, you're hoping the time to market, like you might've had Nikki Lopez's stolen base streak, but chances are half of those stolen bases were on your bench or on the waiver wire. And then he, you know, you got what else did you get for that? You got some av- empty average, but no power, uh, no counting stats. I, I can tell you, um, in a a league that uh, uh, I co-managed with uh, Todd Whitestone, I think we actually ended up cashing, but um, we dropped Nicky Lopez after he went like three weeks without a stolen base attempt, mm-hmm. and then I think he stole like four bases the the week after we dropped. Him. Of course, of course. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, that's and then yeah when you don't have enough speed you're just you're just left doing all kinds of crazy stuff in terms of setting your lineup and chasing bad hitters on the waiver wire and stuff um jeff i really appreciate you taking the time is there is there anything you want to you want to plug no just go get the draft kit if you if you are listening and you're looking to do some winter research or just jump into dc hey we've got projections we've got outlooks up on the site James, you've been kicking butt on the off-season podcast. You're way ahead of me right now, I feel like. So, uh, and you've done, I just looking forward to doing a lot more. And I'm glad we had a chance to do this. Uh, we'll be doing a lot more baseball podcasts uh, pretty soon. Scott Jensen and I will probably do an off-season one in the near future. So look forward to that too. Absolutely. This was a blast. Uh, this has been the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast brought to you by WinBet. I'll be back next week talking more redraft. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.